Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is season one, episode three, and we're coming to you today from the recording studio at an undisclosed location in the inner sanctum of the Alliance National Office. I'm Terry, National Leader for Church Ministries for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, the Church Planning Leader for the Alliance in Eastern Pennsylvania. And today we are pleased as always to have with us A.J. Gutierrez. Glad to be here. Our producer par excellence, uh, who makes us sound better than we really sound. Truth. So, also happy to welcome today as our guest, Daniel Henderson from Strategic Renewal Ministries. Alan, we had, uh, when I was still in Eastern Pennsylvania in in that district, 2017 district conference, we had Daniel with us, read his book, Transforming Prayer, leading up to that conference, what are some of the things that have impacted you about Daniel's ministry? Yeah, actually, that was the second time I'd read that book, because I had read that book when I was still um, the pastor of a local church and um, went to listen to Daniel up at the Brooklyn Tabernacle give a seminar. And and it just, it really helped me to get back to the simplicity of seeking God through the Lord's Prayer and to really build my longing for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done. And you mentioned Brooklyn Tabernacle. Daniel Henderson has a great connection, partnership with Jim Cimbala, and they both have a similar emphasis. I talk a lot about uh, mechanics and dynamics being important in churches. The mechanics are the things that we do for structure and planning, but the dynamics are the things that we do for spirit and prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daniel's emphasis is really on spirit and prayer. Uh, so we're looking forward to what he has to say to us today. Uh, listen with anticipation. So it's our privilege to welcome uh, Daniel Henderson, who is actually with us in the Inner Sanctums studio here at the Alliance National Office, lives up the road in uh, Castle Rock. Welcome, Daniel. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Terry. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, we uh, chatted on our uh, introductory session about you uh, being at our district conference in Eastern PA, and we appreciated you so much there, and great to be able to reconnect uh, here today. Thank you. So you lead a ministry called uh, Strategic Renewal. Kind of give us an idea of what that's uh, all about, what's at the heartbeat of that organization, and uh, how it got started. Yeah, so our mission with Strategic Renewal is to serve the local church by igniting personal transformation and leadership health. But it really came out of my own pastoral ministry for 25 years. We were uh, really in numerous situations where we had to really see how the Holy Spirit could bring vital uh, renewal to a church. And out of that, God began to do some truly extraordinary things in prayer uh, that eventually uh, began to draw pastors from around the country, prayer summits and our weekly prayer meetings and the renewal that was happening. And so it really came out of my pastoral ministry. And it was about 11 years ago, uh, I was pastoring in Minnesota and just felt so compelled to do this that uh, I always say I jumped off the cliff without a parachute and became a full-time spiritual pyromaniac. So <laughs> so we exist to help local churches experience prayer-based renewal yeah. uh, that ignites transformation in the life of the people and, and supernatural gospel advancement. 
Well, I can tell you that uh, I was about halfway into my church plant. I pastored, planted and pastored church for about 16 years. And about halfway through, I was feeling a little flat. Our congregation was flat in prayer, and we wanted to make that an emphasis for us. And I read Transforming Prayer, and it made a big difference in my life. I shared the principles there with our church. was really helpful. So what kind of uh, direction would you give for a church that wants to be faithful in transforming prayer? You know, one of the things I learned in my pastoral ministry is that prayer is not just therapeutic, it is transformational. And I think most people in our church think of prayer as more of a therapeutic idea, and it is that. It obviously can help uh, as an antidote to worry, et cetera, and bear our burdens with the Lord, but it's primarily transformational. And really helping a church move from list-based, request-based prayer to worship-based prayer is a game-changer. Uh, the model prayer that Jesus gave us clearly starts, as often say, with God's face before it moves to his hand. Mm. And I often tell people, if all you ever do is seek God's hand, you may miss his face. Mm. But if you seek his face, you'll be glad to open his hand. And that's the game changer in churches when they really learn what it means to experience what we call scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer that brings transformation to lives, marriages, congregations, and communities. Wow, scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. How can you go wrong with that? <laughs> That's right. Indeed. That's right. Indeed. So part of strategic renewal is uh, what's something called 6-4 fellowship. Can you give us a little bit more idea of what that is all about? Uh, thank you, Terry. It was about seven years ago that 40-plus um, pastors met in Houston. They were convened at the time by H.B. Uh, London, who just recently passed, and Jim Cimbala, two pretty notable men who uh, called us together and said, you know, we need a national, even global fellowship of pastors from multiple denominations who are committed to the pure priorities of pastoral ministry, which are found in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. Most of us know the story. Widow feeding program breaks down. Uh, the people want the leaders to fix it. They say, no, there are other spirit-filled people to do this. But we will devote ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And um, these uh, pastors chartered the 6-4 Fellowship today. Uh, we have members uh, in a 1,000 communities, 15 nations, every province, every state, uh, who simply are saying, we're in. We, we want to figure out how to make this a priority in our church and in our pastoral ministry. I often say the devil doesn't have to destroy pastors. All he has to do is distract them. Wow. And the 6-4 Fellowship is a cross-denominational global fellowship. It really is very organic, very relational, calling pastors to connect with each other and resourcing them to make the main thing the main thing. We often say uh, that the bottom line is we want the next new thing to be the first old thing, and that is those priorities of prayer and the ministry of the Word. Yeah. So you've been a pastor, yeah. obviously, and, and uh, you're talking about the enemy trying to distract us. What are some of those things that he uses to try to distract us? Maybe even good things, but distract us from the best things, those Acts 6-4 things. Yeah, the, the Acts 6 model obviously reminds us just doing duties that other people are gifted to do and being willing and having the personal security uh, to empower other people to do ministry, I think, is a big one. Obviously, today, you know, there are a lot of things, just technology. Um, I think the big one, honestly, is trying to go after models, uh, trying to imitate other people's success. 
Uh, I always say, you know, that never works because uh, their ministry clothes don't fit you. Uh, I believe uh, Jim Semble and I, we travel together, and he often makes the point that Jesus had a specific letter to all seven churches in Revelation. And you can't read someone else's mail and have spiritual success. <laughs> you got to read your own That's mail. Right. And works. we believe that ministry is more received than achieved. And wow. I think a big distraction, we're trying to achieve ministry based on other people's success rather than receiving ministry based upon the Holy Spirit's unique direction for our church that is always received through prayer and the ministry of the Word. Wow, powerful. In your words, how would you describe the kind of overall state of the evangelical church in America? Well, I, I'm an optimist, okay? Um, my elders used to say, you know, you're the kind of guy to be out in the driveway digging through a pile of manure saying there's got to be a pony in here somewhere, right? So, <laughs> so I am an optimist, with you. And, and that's what I'm doing, why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I, I do think uh, that we are very much like the Laodicean church in Revelation. I, I think in our own self-perception, we are rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing, but really we're poor, wretched, miserable, naked, and blind. Uh, we need to be hearing the quiet knock of the Lord Jesus, who wants to become front and center again through intimate communion and prayer. Uh, one Chinese leader said, uh, you know, we're praying for our colleagues in America because we're handling our persecution better than they're handling their prosperity. Mm. Uh, so I, I think wow. we are depending on a whole lot of other things that, that don't work. I just recently did an interview with Albert Moeller. And he said, you know, we have a spiritual program and our attitude, I mean, we have a spiritual problem and our attitude is let's fix it with a program. Uh, you can only fix spiritual problems with spiritual uh, solutions. And so I think we're, as I said earlier, distracted. I think we're dependent on a lot of superficial solutions. I think we need a, a good solid dose of desperation. And uh, I, I think, you know, given the trends of the culture around us, growing hostility, the, you know, we, we've kind of lost the next generation in many ways. Uh, the church is disunited from within, the evangelical church. Uh, I think the Lord's going to use all that to bring us back to the stuff that really matters. And, mm. and I'm hopeful in that regard. And I think that'll be a blessing and we'll advance the gospel through his people. So unpack for us a little more then how strategic renewal can help that. Yeah, again, the, the lead line of our mission is to serve the local church. We only exist to help pastors be better at what God's called them to do. Uh, one of the leaders of the Six Four Fellowship, a dear friend of mine, Vance Pittman, he says, you know, there are a lot of parasite ministries, but Six Four and Strategic Renewal are real parachurch ministry mm. because we do want to come alongside and help. Uh, one of the biggest things we like to do is, is minister to pastors, obviously the resources of the Six Four Fellowship, but we do a lot of coaching. In fact, we do a 90-day coaching cohort for pastors uh, that is all focused on how to lead a dynamic culture of prayer. Uh, the, the cohorts are no more than eight pastors. I do it all live. I love it. Uh, guys tell me that's not a good economy of effort. And I said, it really is because every pastor represents scores, hundreds, thousands of people. Uh, one cohort I'm leading right now has a young church planner from Albania, wow. along with a guy who leads a church here in America of 15,000. So that tells you a little bit of the diversity, but we're trying to help pastors understand how to lead a life-changing, transformational culture prayer in their church. And so as of now, probably close to 500 pastors have been through these cohorts. We're going to just keep doing this. The way we say it, honestly, is that while we are all praying for the fruits of spiritual awakening, we feel like our calling is to develop the roots of spiritual awakening because you can't have fruits without roots. 
And mm. so we want to help develop that root system by helping pastors just be who God called them to be in their own context. And, you know, roots are dirty. Uh, it takes a long time. You know, nobody knows what's going on. But, uh, you know, the fruit of a real revival, I think, is going to be based in pastors who are leading their churches to become a dynamic house of prayer. So, Daniel, you use the word desperation, and uh, that, that intrigues me. Thinking of pastors and leaders who are listening to the Equipping You podcast, how can they set an atmosphere, build a platform, whatever it is, to help their people who are sitting in their pews or chairs week after week to come to that point of desperation where they will begin to seek the Lord like they've never sought Him before? Such a vital question, Terry, and obviously you can't get a prescription for desperation from your doctor, so it's got to be a spiritual process. I remember a Ugandan pastor did a conference at our church, and he said, my message to America is desperation or devastation. Mm. Take your pick. And, uh, of course, Uganda had been through devastation, which led to desperation. But I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, uh, desperation can come through crisis or cultivation, and God can orchestrate that crisis. Sometimes we create our own. Uh, but I, I'm convinced you can cultivate desperation. And what I've learned over the years is that our sense of desperation and neediness is rooted in our understanding of his worthiness. Uh, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, for example, the two basic parts are Godward, then manward. The way we describe it, he's worthy, I'm needy. Um, you see Isaiah in Isaiah 6, who was desperate. He was undone. And how did he get there? Well, he didn't look in the mirror. He didn't read the newspaper. He didn't compare himself with someone else. His eyes saw the Lord. And I believe our sense of desperation is directly related to our pursuit of of God and our understanding of his worthiness. And so what I say to pastors in our coaching, uh, that what you need to do and what I learned really by God's grace is to develop relentless rhythms of worship-based prayer that the more consistently you are engaged personally and corporately, that's a big deal, the corporate dimension, in seeking the face of God, the more you are attuned to your own neediness. And I think that's what cultivates desperation. Certainly, there may may be a crisis in our nation, on our families that bring desperation. But I think if we would learn to pray as Jesus told us to pray, we could be in a continued state of healthy spiritual desperation, recognizing our neediness based upon his worthiness. Yeah, excellent. So I grew up in church, and uh, we had a lot of church back in those days, as you recall. You know, we were there several times on Sunday, and there on Wednesday night, I sat through a lot of Wednesday night prayer meetings, midweek prayer meetings uh, as a child or teenager. Didn't always enjoy them, but look look back on those with appreciation. And in past decades, there was a— perhaps a spirit and atmosphere in those prayer meetings that that doesn't always exist today. I think in many churches, corporate prayer has fallen on hard times and is either struggling or non-existent. If, if church has a midweek prayer meeting, many times that's a very small remnant of people and perhaps not a great uh, spirit of prayer. Uh, Alan and I have been both been to Brooklyn Tabernacle for mm-hmm. uh, several of their Tuesday night prayer meetings, quite an experience, uh, you know, revival in one evening, it kind of feels like you walk out with a sense of, uh, of renewal. Yeah. So how does the pastor and group of lay leaders in a local church where it feels like corporate prayer is on life support, how do they, how do they get back to that in some kind of a vital, transforming way? 
Yeah, it's um, it's kind of common to believe that the least attended meeting of the week is the corporate prayer meeting. And um, one of my friends says the main reason most people don't go to prayer meetings at their church is because they've been to prayer meetings at their church. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. Yeah, I, I avoided uh, prayer early on. I had a drug problem. My parents drug me to the old-fashioned midweek prayer meeting every week. So, uh, Man, you are full of these. Uh, yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> but uh, I wrote an article uh, for our Monday e-devotion that we do every week not long ago. It said, if I were the devil. And I said, if I were the devil, I, I would focus primarily on uh, – doing everything I could to keep Christians from praying together because the devil knows biblical history, knows church history. He knows that every awakening and revival is rooted in movements of extraordinary united prayer. So I think it's a spiritual battle. I think the devil's doing everything he can to keep these meetings from being central and vital in the life of the church. Again, what Jesus said should be a house of prayer, not preaching and programs and all the other stuff. And two things I think he does. Number one, I think he has sold us a bill of goods uh, with regard to individualism. Gene Getz makes the statement that the hallmark of Western civilization is rugged individualism. We think in terms of I, me, and my, rather than we, our, and us. He makes the point that all the commands of the of the epistles to pray were assumed to be commands to pray together, and we have individualized that. And um, people ask me, which more important, corporate prayer or private prayer? My answer is yes. Yeah. It's like, which, which leg do you need to walk on more, your right leg or your left leg? Yeah. But our individualistic mindset, we have amputated our corporate prayer leg, and we are lame on our private prayer leg, and the devil loves it so. So that's, I think the devil has is infected us, literally, with a spiritually unhealthy individualism that makes people think, and this is going to sound a little controversial, but think it's more spiritual to pray alone in my closet than it is to pray with others. And I don't think that's a New Testament mindset. I think it's both and. Right. And we We've got to swing the pendulum back to a conviction about praying together. Second thing I think the devil does to make sure that when we do pray, the, the prayer meetings aren't life-giving. They aren't biblical. They're, you know, just as long as we often say, you know, organ recital, mm-hmm. you know, Billy's belly and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, Nelda's knee and all that, rather than seeking the face of God and being transformed in his presence and letting the Holy Spirit unite us to pray around the things that are on his heart. It's been said that uh, the average American spends more time praying sick Christians out of heaven than lost people out of hell. Yeah. And, you know, we've really lost our way when it comes to corporate prayer. So I think, and we do this in our coaching, helping pastors have a strong biblical conviction about the biblical basis of praying together. And then secondly, having the, the ability to lead prayer meetings that are really life-giving. And I think that could be a game changer. Just a little follow-up on that. What should corporate prayer look like in the main worship service, a Sunday morning worship of a church? You know, we've gotten into this seeker-sensitive thing and, you know, kind of kind of afraid to ask people to pray. So what should corporate prayer look like in, in the Sunday morning worship service? Yeah, and, and the bigger question is what should church look like in general, right? Uh, if you look at Acts 2, it was the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking bread, and the prayers. I'm not against music. Music's mentioned in Ephesians 5, but I think we have probably made much more of music than the New Testament that believers probably did, and that soaks up a whole lot of our time on Sunday. But, you know, we have fallen into a routine of the run sheet and scripting the service down to the last minute, usually with very little prayer, even in terms of how we put that together. And then there's no room, you know, for a, a spontaneity, a prayer. 
In my church, last church I pastored in Minnesota, is a church of 5,000 people. We had a 75-minute service. We couldn't go long, or the children's ministry and the parking lot workers would all resign. But we did not schedule the service all 75 minutes. We always left seven to eight minutes so that we could either plan or sense in the moment opportunities to pray. That could be me stopping partway through my sermon and having people pray about what I just said, right? Best way to apply God's Word is to pray it, uh, sometimes in the midst of a song, sometimes at the end. Uh, two of our national leaders for 6-4 uh, specifically, and of course, Jim Simmel is one of them, of course. He, they pray a lot in their services. But two others, a, a fellow named Vance Pittman in Las Vegas and Jeff Schwarzentraub here in Denver, they pastor very large churches, but in every service, five to eight minutes are given to prayer. And there's a, a myth out there that people won't do that. Uh, but the fact is, everybody prays. And even, even an unbeliever would come in, and what do you ex- think they would expect us to do? You would think they would expect us to have a conversation with God more than just a pastor doing it. You know, when a pastor says, let's pray, what he means is you all be quiet and listen to me pray. That doesn't mean let's pray. Uh, and so I, I think, it, as we teach in our coaching, you got to learn to build sidewalks where the footpaths already exist. In other words, build vital prayer experience into every dimension of the church where people are already connecting. And that could be small groups, one-on-one conversations, leadership team meetings. But to be authentic, a pastor's going to have to do that in the service that he's in charge of to model that reality. And D.A. Carson says, the only way you learn to pray is by praying with people who know how to pray. So pastor, use that service to show people how to pray. You can't just point the way, you got to lead the way. Good word. Yeah, and I think that's probably when I read Transforming Prayer, as I said, about halfway through my church plant, that's the biggest thing I took away from the time, just interpreting it just on myself, not going to hear you do a talk or anything, but incorporating into everything we did. Yeah. So, you know, we were trying to do like corporate gatherings where just the thing was prayer, but we started integrating it into our leadership team meetings and, in, mm-hmm. and having our small group leaders do it. And it became something that we kind of developed a byline that we wanted prayer to be our first response instead of our last resort. Yeah, amen. It sounds like something that you would say. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think I got it from your book, but it's, now that I hear you sell these great phrases. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who right? knows? Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, I hear about you modeling it, and that's a great question Terry had, modeling it in the prayer. But what? how do you do it in a board meeting? You know, you hear a lot of times just board meetings, just this like, well, we got to ask God for his blessing on this meeting tonight. Yeah. What does it look like to have it as part of a leadership team meeting? Uh, that's a big part of my journey, Alan. I, I inherited three large churches over my years of pastoral ministry, all of all three of which had elders who weren't elders. And what I mean by that, they were qualified, but they weren't functioning. They were acting like a board of trustees. And, and I always say that a prayer culture always emanates from the epicenter of leadership. And in our coaching, we tell pastors, before you start a bunch of prayer programs, you've got to reshape the mindset, the priorities, the focus of your leadership team. And again, that's the Acts 6-4 model. We will give ourselves continual to prayer in the ministry of the Word. And uh, in our context, we we read books together, obviously Jim Simula books, other books on being elders. And, you know, move from, in several of those places, move from a, you know, six-hour meeting that had zipper prayer, you know, you zip it open, you zip it closed, yeah. <laughs> to a four-hour meeting where you pray for an hour and study the Word for an hour, an hour and a half, and you get way more work done in less time. What a mystery, right? Yeah. That's the way it ought to be. Why? Well, because now we're aligned with, with the head of the church, and our hearts are united together in his presence. And so that's a huge step in terms of a prayer culture. If, if you don't start with your leadership, the people are going to realize, you know, the pastor's excited about this, but the elders aren't, the other staff members aren't. 
And, you know, that old adage, when you're the leader and you get too far out front, you become a target. And uh, so you, you got to take your leaders with you. And that's the most important part of developing a praying church. I always say the single greatest indicator of what kind of tr- prayer you're going to have in the life of the church is seen in the kind of praying you do within your leadership team. Not just how much time you spend praying, but as we've already said, the kind of prayer that you do. Not just praying about stuff, but seeking God together. That's rich. Very yeah. rich. Yeah. So uh, strategic renewal, what can you offer to churches? What kind of resources would you recommend? Where can people find those resources, connect with uh, you and those resources? Oh, thank you so much, Terry. Well, if you're a pastor listening, uh, I would urge you to go to 6-4 Fellowship, the number six, the number four, the word fellowship.com, and uh, join. It's free. But when you join, you begin to, to see on this map other pastors. They may be CMA, you know, Christian Missionary Alliance. It may be another denomination, but they're in your town. They want to prioritize prayer. We're seeing pastors begin to find each other now, pray together for the sake of the gospel in their community, find great unity as they're praying out of the scripture, you know, not just getting together and praying about their their bad deacon or whatever. Uh, so that would be one. And utilize the resources as you drill into that site. There are hundreds and hundreds of video interviews and blogs and articles all focused on this priority. And then it's strategic renewal on that side. Uh, we do a weekly e-devotion just to encourage people. It comes out every Monday. And then you'll see information on our coaching. We have a 30-day cohort for any believer on spiritual disciplines. As I mentioned earlier, we have the 90-day cohort for pastors. And then we have a 180-day on-location coaching process where we have about 12 pastors on our leadership team who go into a church for about six months and help them really get this embedded into the culture of their leadership team and their congregation. Fantastic. And you have several books. Yeah. Where, where can those books be uh, found and purchased? Yeah, certainly on all the, the sites, Amazon, you know, christianbook.com, but also on our website. Um, and just have really seen the Lord bless those books, as well as small group series that go with those books. So Transforming Prayer, for example, uh, we have the ability for a church to get that embedded into their small groups with some video and discussion guides. And that's the case with probably six or seven of our books as well. And we'd love to serve the church in that way. You know, it seems appropriate that we would close an interview on prayer by praying. What an idea. And uh, I'm just wondering if you would be willing, Daniel, to pray for those who are listening, for pastors and leaders in Alliance churches and in other churches, that God would reveal himself to them in powerful ways that would bring them to a a uh, new sense of desperation and a new sense of, of seeking his face. Would you be willing to lead I'd be us delighted to do that. Thank you, thank Terry. You. Thank you, Alan. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come with gratitude and praise for the privilege of knowing you through the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the indwelling of your spirit who makes the Christian life possible, uh, who takes even the simple words of an interview like this and uh, makes them live in our hearts with a new hope and new conviction and new resolve. And Lord, I want to thank you for the Alliance. I, I personally thank you for the partnership I've enjoyed in Alliance conferences in the U.S. and Canada, meeting so many people who uh, really rooted in the DNA of the Alliance, have a, an appreciation uh, for the Word of God and a love for the work of the Holy Spirit and a passion for the gospel. So as Terry suggested today, we pray by your Holy Spirit uh, that you would create a holy dissatisfaction in our hearts for what is, 
that you'd give us a new desperation for what could be, and that that would be combined with a, a earnest desire to seek you because of who you are. Uh, Lord, even as I pray, I'm reminded that the only enduring motivation for our praying is that you are worthy to be sought. And so would you captivate us once again with your worthiness? Would you teach us how to pray accordingly? Uh, would you bless the efforts of those listening, that they would become a positive, life-giving catalysts of a desire to seek your face, and that those representing churches here on this podcast today would be used for your glory to see the church they're part of become a house of prayer for all nations, that the gospel may advance across the street and throughout the world in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Really appreciated having you here today. I love your heart. And uh, what you're saying to the church is really prophetic. And uh, we appreciate it very much. May Thank God you, continue Terry. to prosper your ministry. You as well. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. Alan. Thank you. Well, my response to uh, what Daniel shared with us today, Alan, is wow. Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of great thought-provoking, prayer-provoking inspiration in what he had to share with us. Yeah, I'm really grateful for great reminders of me from when I read that book about um, more than 10 years ago, and I'm so grateful for those reminders today. I'm going to be putting them back in my heart. Yeah, I think a good challenge for pastors listening, if this podcast has impacted you and you think it has application to your church, and I suspect it does, that you would take it into your next board meeting, your elder meeting, and just listen to it together and pray about what God would have you to do to see your church be all that it can be uh, for Jesus Christ. Your church is needed in your community. And if you're going to accomplish what you need to accomplish in your community for Jesus Christ, you need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. And that, that's only going to come through prayer. So we certainly challenge you uh, to do that. Thanks for listening to the uh, podcast. Yeah, and we want to encourage you, as always, to subscribe to our Equipping You podcast on iTunes or wherever else you listen to it. And as well, share it on social media. That can help your friends, and it helps us too, and we're really appreciating that. So thanks a lot, everyone. So don't forget to tune in for the next episode of Equipping You podcast. We're grateful that you listen. And until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.